Serving up the strategies you need to build, market and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your expertise. This is the Youpreneur Podcast. And here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of the Youpreneur Podcast. This is number 495 in an archive that, quite frankly, is a bit like getting a personal MBA in personal brand business. It's great to be back with you. It's been a while, actually, hasn't it, right? So we were on our sabbatical uh, for the whole month of August. We came back. Uh, there are several things cooking uh, at the Youpreneur HQ, um, and uh, it's been very, very busy throughout September. But here we are. We're back with uh, a new episode of the show, and actually with a returning guest, Jay Bear is in the house talking all about his new book, The Time to Win, and how we need to exceed our customers' need for speed. It's a really, really good chat. Before we get going with that, however, just wanted to bring you up to speed on one thing that we're really, really excited about here is we're holding another one-day business breakthrough. Uh, these events have just gotten more and more popular every time we run them. Uh, we're going to be back in London on Friday, November 10. You can get tickets right now uh, over at youpreneur.com forward slash one day BB. That's number one day, BB. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great day. We've got two special guests uh, that are going to be joining us as well. And uh, we're going to spend a whole day working on what we need to do to break through any barriers you might be having as a business owner and uh, figuring out what we can do to make the next six months even better than the last. So if you'd like to spend an entire day with me, uh, the team, our special guests, and a whole host of other entrepreneurs from around the UK and Europe as well, we get people traveling in, um, I'd love to see you. Uh, you can join myself, Mike Morrison, Jessica Rose, and all of our other fantastic folks as well. All you've got to do is head over to youpreneur.com forward slash one day BB and I will see you there. Oh, by the way, tickets are very limited. Remember, we keep these events super intimate. So if you're interested and you want make sure you want to be there, don't hang around. Go over there right now and get your tickets. Right, let's get on to the show. Youpreneur FM, helping you build the business of you. So Jay Bear has been on this show more times than any other guest, and we chuckle about that. Uh, at the beginning of this uh, conversation that we had um, a, a few days ago. Um, however, there's a very good reason for it. Jay is probably one of the smartest humans I know, and there's never a time where I spend uh, any time with him where I don't walk away a better person because of it, a smarter person because of it. Uh, I had the opportunity to see Jay perform his brand new keynote the Time to Win, which, like I said, is also the title of his new book, uh, earlier on in this year when we were both speaking in Cleveland, and it just so happened that he was doing this keynote at another event, uh, which he graciously um, invited me to before I flew out of the US. So I got the opportunity to see it live. He'd only, had, only sort of done it a handful or so times, and as always, one of my favorite speakers to watch live, uh, and easily one of my favorite people to talk with and hang out with and learn from as well. Fact is, we uh, have got it quite wrong um, when it comes to things like speed and getting back to people in a timely fashion and handling customer service inquiries and complaints and all that sort of type of thing. Um, and uh, 
Jay summed it all up in a book that is no bigger than, I mean, it's, it's, it's like one of those little books that you give your kids on like an airplane journey to like color in for an hour. Um, <laughs> it's tiny. I'm holding it right now as I do this intro, uh, but there's a good reason for that and we get into it. So I'm not going to waffle on anymore. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with myself and one of my favorite humans, Jay Bear. Let's go. This is the Youpreneur FM podcast with Chris Ducker. So Jay Bear, welcome back to the show again. <laughs> you got to get better guests. Uh, if I'm well, if I'm still the, the longest tenured or most often guest, I feel like that is more a criticism of your booking process than uh, than an attribute for me. Well, either that or I've just got to start interviewing other people, right? Like you know, just <laughs> having more people to interview. Um, we yeah, have man. A, no, we I mean, have an I... open relationship, right? We're clear on that. We have an open relationship. Yes, we do. We do. We can talk to other. We can talk. Yeah, to, okay, we just can hang out. We're we good. can. Okay. Yeah, yeah, dinners, whatever you need. everything. It's all acceptable. Um, no, you are still the most returnable guest here on the show. Okay. I've actually lost count now, but I know full well that it's got to be close to seven, eight episodes probably at this point in the last, you know. I can be in, the guest host too. If you get sick, you don't want to do it, I'll just slide into your chair. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I might call you up on that. You never know, dude. Um, it's good to have you back. It's always a fun talk conversation when we do get together. We did get to see each other actually for the first time since the pandemic and everything, which was, yep. you know, for me, I don't know about you, but that trip to May, uh, in May, um, where we saw each other in Cleveland, it was, I mean, it was kind of a weird thing because it was the first time I'd been to the United States since COVID and the pandemic and all the rest of it. And I, you know, as part of like, dealing with that couple of years of not traveling and things like that. Yes, I missed my buddies like you. I missed people that I like being around. But it wasn't until I was actually back there hanging with you and other folks that were the event, Joe Polizzi, Nathan Berry, and the rest of the folks. It it wasn't actually until I was there where I realized just how much I truly missed being in person with everybody like that. What was it like you when you got kind of going again on the traveling side of things? Because I mean, you were on the yeah. road like 50 weeks of the year or something insane at one point, yeah. right? And M and, and, and again this year. Like yeah. it's, it is, I'll, I'll do as many events this year as I've done uh, ever, pre or post pandemic. So wow. it is, it is right back to uh, level 100 amounts of travel. But that mm -hmm. same phenomenon you described, Chris, where people are like, wow, you know what? I realize now I really did miss human connection and live events. I, I see that almost every week or, or certainly I used to because for quite some time, every event I spoke at was the first event for those people, right? For that industry, for that company, for that trade group, for that association. It was their first event post pandemic. And I had done a number because I, I do so many right. events. Seeing that that light go on for all these people at once was really, really interesting. So I spent about six, nine months kind of living through that awakening, reawakening every single week. And it was really fascinating. And, and, and look, I was very fortunate. I did a ton of virtual events uh, during the pandemic and never had to wear pants and, and built a studio and all the things. And it was fine. And I don't mind virtual. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in the medium. But there was sort of this narrative, uh, sort of late stages of the pandemic that, you know what, maybe virtual is just as fine. Maybe maybe we don't need to come back and have real events. Maybe it's just much ado about nothing. Maybe it's not worth the time, the money, the effort, and the hassle. And I think we realized that no, it's not the same. It, it is it is worth the time, the money, the effort, and the hassle. They're just You just can't replace 
um, that kind of get everybody in one room and those collisionable moments and things like that. It's just not the same. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we were hanging out in regards to the decision we made to kind of shelve the Upana Summit, of which obviously you did the closing keynote at one year, which was still one of our best rated talks. And from from an event organizer's perspective, uh, I mean, we made the call because at the time, the uncertainty level was at such an incredible level that it just wasn't worth the time, energy, effort, or money, quite frankly, to go down that route. With that being said, however, the conversations have started again. You know, will it be the same event? Maybe, maybe not, but certainly getting people together on a larger scale basis is something that we have discussed internally again with each other. And Um, I think that's great. I would love to see you uh, reconstitute it in some form or fashion, but I will acknowledge like from your perspective as an event organizer, that's a very different calculus than event attendee. Yes. Because if I go to the event as attendee and there's some level of unease or maybe I don't like it or whatever, like, okay, the, the, whatever the investment was in the ticket is a thing, but on your side, right, the, the amount of capital, both human capital and financial capital, you've got to put forth to put on an event of the quality yep. that you demand yep. is no joke, right? So if it doesn't go well, it's a, it's a real problem for you. If it doesn't go well, I just wasted two days, right? It's a different level of, uh, Precisely. of investment. Yeah. And that was the reason behind it. And for you guys tuning in, if you're interested in terms of the questions we had to ask ourselves, um, I'll link to the show where I talk about the decision that we made and why. Um, but one of the reasons actually, Jay, and I mean, as a business owner yourself, you'll get this. We looked at the numbers. Numbers never lie. Our margin in terms of an actual profit margin on the year from the event was only from the event tickets and sponsorships was only around about 14%. So it was like- yeah. Why are we going to spend six months of the year for 14% of our margin when everything is so damn I've uncertain heard that anyway? From so many people, right? They, they say yeah. uh, running events is the hardest way to break even that you can possibly come up with. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I mean, we would, you know, we would make additional sales at the event for coaching programs and of all course, that sort of stuff. Of but I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to also kind of compartmentalize the event for all of the marketing and the run up to that and the time, right? The energy, the team, everything, but there you go. And when we talk about time, it kind of actually, this leads me in quite nicely into this discussion and why we're getting you back on the show for the, um, 1200,000th time, uh, the time to win new book by Jay Bear, everyone. Um, and if for whatever reason you might be catching this on video somewhere, I'm holding up a copy of Jay's book right now. And you might think that it's a little bit smaller than anticipated, but there's a very good reason for this. Um, you gave me this copy in person. I got to see you do the new keynote for it as well, which was great. Why is this book so small? There's a perfectly good reason for it. And I need you to tell yeah. everyone. The book is called The Time to Win, How to Exceed Your Customer's Need for Speed. It's three and a half by five and a half U.S. Uh, inches. Uh, <laughs> U.S. inches. US Wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, no, we've claimed that too. That's also ours now. So the U.K. Yeah. inches don't count anymore. Or any no, you've got a different, yours matter. is different. Yeah, yours is like an imperial inches. It's different. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, can, I can see guy. I can see guys that have picked up, you know, very sort of quite unanimously a copy of their wife's uh, latest copy of Cosmopolitan. And now they're starting to worry about <laughs> everything with, with the word inch in the paragraph, right? Oh my gosh. Exactly. How do we do this? Um, but you yeah. can read this whole book 
in about you can probably read the whole book in under an hour, and that's the idea. I, I said, you know, I've written six previous. Uh, what we did? I'd, say, I'd say you could you could get through this uninterrupted in thirty five yeah, hours if you wanted yeah. to, right? Yeah. Um, and like I you said, said that, that was the reason for that. Like that, that was intentional. You know, I've written six full business books, but when I sat down to write this one, and the thesis of this book is that speed and responsiveness is more important than ever, and you can use it as a competitive business advantage. I sat down to write the book, and I'm like, I, I cannot make people spend five or six hours reading a book about speed. It just, it's like literally conflicting advice. Totally. If I'm here to tell you that, that doing it quicker is the path to business success, and it is, I can't then demand the same amount of time that you would spend in a traditional business book. And I will say that people who have gotten early copies like yourself, they love it, Chris. They cannot believe it because what everybody tells me is the same thing. You know, Jay, candidly, we never read business books anyway. We just skim them. So if you just give us a short book and make it all meat and no vegetables uh, yep. and and you know, then perfect. You've saved us time. So it's actually gone really well. It was definitely a risk and an experiment, uh, but I really enjoy it and people love it. And uh, it'll be out on uh, on Amazon uh, in the US at least uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I, big, I think the big thing here is that, you know, if you, like you say, a lot of people just buy business books, they skim them. They might kind of read the intro, the outro and a couple of other bits, but like, we are a nation of a nation, a world of skimmers now. I think, particularly yeah. with uh, nonfiction books, which you can kind of pick up and just get to as and when you want. You can't skip parts of a story of, of fiction, yeah. can you? Because right. you get lost, right? So, and the other thing is also, I don't know about you, but you know, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books, cover to cover, and I can honestly say that the vast majority of business books out there, there's one overarching topic point opinion, argument, whatever you want to call it. And then there's usually two or three little golden nuggets in there, but the rest of it does tend to be not necessarily fluff, but not as important to consume as those Typically two or three different, things. Different ways, different ways to, to present or buttress the main point. Right, exactly. But like you say, with this little book, uh, The Time to Win, you're avoiding all of that. And you're just like, you know what, just read this, look at this image, look at this photo, um, look at these statistics and go and do likewise. Where, like, how long did it take you to write it? Um, well, I did a ton of proprietary first person research as I do yes. for all my books. Yes. And so the research project took a couple of months at least just for the right. research. Then I had to synthesize the research, write the research report, um, promote that a little bit. But the actual writing of the book in this case was only about a week. Yeah, I was going to say, no uh, more, maybe a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, typically when I write books, it's it's four to six months um, because there's so many more uh, case studies and examples, all the things you just talked about, right? It's saying the same thing but in different ways and and expanding each of the points. And you know, so this time it was it was easier because I was so familiar with the concept and the material to just sit down and like, okay, bam, 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 and, and, and bust it out. The other thing about the book that's been sort of an unexpected uh, win, I mean, I kind of understood it intuitively, but I didn't really understand that it would be so impactful. People love that small size because so many of the books that I that I have, you know, they get them at events. I go give a speech and whatever, and people get books. 
But because this book is so small, you can put it in your shirt pocket or your jacket pocket or your purse or your handbag or your backpack or your front pocket, as opposed to lugging around a full-size business book, especially a hardcover at yeah. the happy hour, et cetera. It's just cumbersome and, and kludgy. Yeah. So it's actually been uh, it's actually been really, really fantastic from that perspective. Yeah, no, no doubt. I remember when I was with you in Cleveland, you 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 invited me to one of your Chase uh, mm. events, uh, which mm. you've obviously spoken at for years and years in partnership with the bank. It was the first time that I'd seen you do this new keynote for this mm. new book, and it was interesting. I was I was looking at the room. I was really paying attention to the room. I mean, you and your suits are great and everything. Don't get me wrong, but I wanted to see what the reaction was inside the room and when you kicked off and it wasn't too far after your opening you said responsiveness equals revenue and i remember combing the room visually and ev literally everybody sat up in their chairs like ears were pricked up like you had gained virtually the entire you know, room's attention with that one phrase. Can you break that down a little for everyone tuning in? Because it, it was great. It was great. Thanks. Well, one of the things I've learned in my long career now as a as an author and a speaker is that you have to make the point very early on in a book or in a presentation that what you're talking about has a material and in most cases, somewhat immediate impact to the audience or the reader otherwise they they just will start to not give you permission to to talk anymore right, right. so you yeah. got to really make it relevant to them as quickly as possible and in this book it's very easy as it is with most of my books because it's rooted in real research right so it's not just me pontificating there's real data there 50% of all customers will hire whomever contacts them first regardless of price half 85% of customers say that speed is a critical factor in their brand loyalty. This has always been true, kind of, right? Speed has always been at least somewhat important. But the reason I wrote this book, The Time to Win, and, and the reason it's so vital and important now is that the pandemic actually did have a real impact on our understanding and um, uh, just how much time and speed matters to us. We, we sort of all realized like, hey, maybe, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So maybe we should stop wasting time. So what we talk about in this presentation is that if you give your customers time, they'll give you money. If you cost your customers time, it will cost you money. And it's because a lot of these trends we talk about in business, people not wanting to return to the office, right? They want to live and work at home so they don't have to commute because that's a waste of time. Uh, they they want to resign, quit their jobs. There's all, you know They, they want to bring their kids to the conference. That's a big trend now. Uh, baseball games are 25 minutes a night shorter. There's like all these things that are happening that are actually the same trend. And the trend is that we care about our time and how we spend it more than ever. So what smart businesses can do, especially with the help of the book, is be faster in every customer interaction in a way that your competition is not prepared to do. And if you can make that stick, if you can be the fastest, the most responsive in your category, you will gain and keep more customers. Because right now, all human beings, at least in the West, have the same psychology, which is that we interpret speed as caring and we interpret responsiveness as respect. That's the big one. And I think like that, those last few words there, responsiveness as respect. I think that 
one, I mean, the one thing that drives me mad, particularly with like anything to do with my home, if there's something, and I know you told a couple of stories in regards to this, when you're on stage, either a roofing company or a plumber or something like that, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but like, uh, we were in my case, there you go. Right. And, and, and I, I wanted to have a new gate installed to part of our property. And I reached out to three individual companies, one of them kind of very small, super bespoke kind of mom and pop kind of shop and, and a couple of other big firms. And it was the mom and pop shop that came back to me first. They were also the most expensive of all three, sure. but because of the speed of them getting back to me and the fact that they were getting on the phone, they were talking to me, they came around, they measured up and all the rest of it before anyone yep. else did. Yep. I gave them the extra money because they gave me the extra time. And I think that was the big takeaway right there. Yeah. And even if you don't articulate it in words, the way that makes you feel is very different. And we actually measured that in the research, right? You, you, when, right. when businesses are faster than customers expect, those customers literally feel respected, happy, confident, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if, if somebody takes years and oh, not years, but days and days to even return your phone call, what does that say to you about how much they value you as a customer? And, and that's why the first responder gets hired half the time. doesn't matter what they charge. So if I'm in a business that has a lot of competitive situations, like any kind of home services or consulting or many other types of businesses, geez, I would just, Chris, engineer the business so that I'm always first. I mean, if you know you're going to get half of all the customers, why wouldn't you just build your business so that you can respond more quickly? It's not like it requires some magic skill set. It just requires right. building your business operationally for that to occur. Right. And I guess the other way of looking at that is also like when, I don't know about you, but I've unsubscribed from email lists before, particularly like large corporations or banks or you know, utility companies, that kind of thing. And they say, thank you very much for updating your, you know, your <laughs> subscription. It will take a few days for it to happen. Like, are you kidding me? Like yeah. what email provider are you using that it takes three, four days or five business days to take me off your list? It makes no sense yeah. in today's very, world. You know, I hate that. That is, that is, it's funny you say that. I just had that experience yesterday. Yeah, uh, and I was like, you know, why, why, why don't you just take me off the list? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Right, exactly. So where does, and this is this is something else I remember. And in prep for this chat, I read through the book again very quickly. The right now that hmm. you talk about, like, where does yeah. the right now come into play when it comes to that speed and and that responsiveness? It, it's important that that you all don't think that my advice either here on the show or in the book is that you should just be as fast as possible. Every time you're dealing with customers or prospective right. customers, you should probably be considerably faster than you are today. That's true, but it's not accurate to suggest that you should just be as fast as you can all the time, because when you are too fast, it actually doesn't work. There are circumstances where you can be too fast. Chatbots, for example, probably everybody listening either has a chatbot on their website or has used a chatbot at some point. And Drift, which is the company in B2B that powers much of the chatbot software, actually builds in, Chris, an intentional delay. Because yeah. when you use chatbot and you put in your question and you hit submit, it's all AI, right? So it can respond to you. It, 
in in a blink of an eye. Right. But when it does that, people freak out. They're like, wait a second. That was so fast. This has got to be a robot. They didn't actually read my question. I don't trust this answer anymore. So what they do is you hit submit, and then you get the little ellipsis, the little three blinking dots, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And then it produces the response to essentially make you believe that somebody has actually read and is considering the answer as they type it. And when that happens, everybody's like, oh, cool, I got it. I trust this now. So when you're too fast, it actually decays trust. So in your case, if you needed somebody to to fix the house and you uh, put out some inquiries and someone got back to you in 10 seconds, that might be too fast. You might think, well, just, they're sitting by the phone. Why do they have no customers, et cetera, right? So as a result, in every customer interaction throughout the totality of the customer journey, there is a perfect amount of elapsed time. Not too slow, certainly, and not too fast either. Sure. And so we call that the right now. It's like the perfect amount of elapsed time. So for every customer interaction in every company in the world, there are the right now intervals. You just have to figure out what they are in your own business because they will differ by business. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, when when we had Live to Sell, which was our uh, call center in the Philippines, one of the things that we would relay back to our corporate clients, a lot of which were in the United States, uh, was the average call handling time, right? Like how long did it take to take care of this customer's needs? And if they were too fast, we would question that. Like, did they really listen to the customer properly? Were they pushing it through for one reason or another? And likewise, if those types of handling times were too long, was the customer going to get frustrated? Were things not getting taken care of in a timely fashion? Was there issues with not understanding what the customer needed or wanted help on, et cetera, et cetera. So there was always that sweet spot and it was always different for every client in every niche, because in certain niches, you'd want something sorted in 90 seconds and others, it might take six or seven minutes to sort it out. Is that something that you saw as well from a customer service standpoint? Absolutely. Entirely. And, and in fact, even in a marketing context, I've done a lot of digital marketing in my career. That's where I started. Uh, you think about something like website analytics. A lot of people will look at time spent per session on the site as a success metric, you know, but is it, do, do you want people to come to your website and spend longer per session? They want to be on the website three, four, five, six, seven minutes, or do you want to be on the website for 20 seconds, get what they need and leave, right? It depends. So it's not about the length of time. It's about what are they doing during that time? Yeah. If during that three, five, six, seven minutes, they're actually engaging with your content and reading key pages and rolling around and trying to convince themselves that you're the right thing to buy. Great. But if they're spending five minutes trying to figure out your navigation, because they can't find the page they're looking for, not great. So, so time in and of itself is less important than how long it takes customers to get what they need versus their expectations. Right. So if they think it's going to take two minutes and it takes four, bad. If they think it's going to take four minutes and it takes two, great. Right. So it's it's more about expectations than it is about raw speed. And managing those expectations, I think. Hugely important. We talk yeah. about that in the book and in the speech, right? And so many businesses don't do that. Yeah. Uh, they they assume, and I've made this mistake in my own businesses. That business leaders typically assume that customers have a decent idea about how long things should take. After all, they bought the thing. Right. And that's a very poor assumption 
because left to their own devices, and there's actually some interesting research on this, not from me, but from others, left to their own devices, most customers will assume that everything will happen instantaneously because we are training them to believe that that is true, right? You can press a button on your phone, food shows up. Press a button on your phone, a car shows up. Yeah. Press a button on your phone, a sweater shows up, right? So we are training them to believe that everything can happen immediately. So if that's not the case in your business, and it often is not, you've got to describe to them what is an appropriate expectation and why. Mm. Because consumers, especially younger consumers, do not accept anything at face value. You have to, if it's going to take you 10 days to get something to them and they think it's going to take two days, they will allow it as long as you give them a reasonable explanation. So some of this is the art of, exp of, of expectation setting and interval explanation, right? So I right. talk about that a lot in the book, this idea that, you know, you just have to communicate more than you probably think you should. One of the things I say, it's not in the book, but I talk about on stage a lot is, if you feel like you're over communicating to your customers, you're communicating just the right amount. Mm. And that's true for everybody. That's a huge takeaway right there. Absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned the young'uns because I mean, we just we just had our sabbatical, our annual sabbatical. We rented a beautiful barn in the middle of the woods. There was a private lake and everything was gorgeous. And we rock up in the car and we get in there and the kids, you know, we have dinner and then we say, you can have a little TV time and then we're going to go for a walk. So they turn on the TV and they're like, dad, what, what, what are these things that keep interrupting our show? These things, people are trying to sell us things. What's going on? Well, they're called the commercials. Yeah, but they don't have them on Netflix. Aha. Aha. You get what you want when you want it, almost always as a kid nowadays, particularly when you're consuming, consuming, consuming. So then they, they you know, I had to sit, sit them down, particularly my little one, Cassie, and talk about the fact that, you know, commercials actually help pay to run the TV stations that actually put the shows on in the foot and all that. She couldn't, she couldn't get it. She had trouble getting it, you know, initially. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, how, would you, how would you know? Like, yeah. How, how, how would, would you know? know? How would you know? Yeah. How uh, would you know? It's, yeah. You talk about um, responding without answers in the book as well. Yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit. I know I'm just kind of making you do lots of like performing monkey uh, routines right now, but like what talk, talk to us a little bit because I think that's quite profound in and amongst itself. But when you break it down, yeah. it gets even more important. This one is really useful because it's not just uh, beneficial in a business context. It's beneficial when you're working with your children or your spouse or your friends or your postman or whomever, right? And it's this idea that typically when somebody has a question or needs something from you, if you can't deliver on that instantly, what do you do? Well, usually what happens is you go procure the information necessary to respond to that question. Somebody has a question, I don't know, I got to go talk to Julie in accounting or I got to look it up or I got to Google it or whatever. And then once you have secured the necessary information, then you respond and say, Chris, here's an answer to your question. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Because what happens is the second that you ask me a question, even though I'm over here figuring out the answer, you've asked me the question, I'm figuring it out. You're starting to slowly freak out. And, and I know this is true because if you send somebody an email and they don't get back to you for two days, you start to play all these mental games, do you not? You start to think, oh, do I have the wrong email address for, for Chris? 
Uh, did this go to spam for some reason? Is Chris mad at me? Is Chris on vacation, right? Should I follow up this email with a phone call or does that make me seem desperate, right? All of these different sort of things start going through your head and your anxiety goes up. So the better approach, and again, this is in your whole life. I've been doing this about two and a half years now, Chris, and it has helped my relationships with almost everybody in my life. Genuinely, somebody has a question or needs something from you and you can't execute on that immediately you respond as fast as you can and say, Chris, great question. Really good. So good. In fact, I've got to look it up. I'm going to do that. And then I'll get back to you. But the second that you essentially say, I got it, it goes off of the questioner's mental to-do list and it goes on your mental to-do list, which unburdens them psychologically and then massively increases their perception of your speed and responsiveness. You haven't actually delivered any faster what they need but they believe you to be faster because you said, I got it. So this this requires you to respond twice in many cases. First time you're just like, I got it. And then eventually you get them what they need. But the outcomes using this method is really, really positive. Yeah, 100%. There was one other thing before we wrap up as well. Um, God, so good. And the, the other thing is this. We don't need to talk for an hour and a half on this either. Like, let's talk about time and speed there as well. We can, we can, we can make That's this yeah. a shorter you can episode. Do podcast well. shorter. People who have the shorter podcast get the listener fifty percent of the time. I'll just make that up. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, here's 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 something I want to end on here as well, and it's it's interesting. Earlier on in the year, in fact, actually about um, six weeks before we were with each other, and I saw you talking about this on stage. I was with my roundtable mastermind group. We have two retreats every year, one in March, one in October. And we're all sat around this uh, beautiful room in this gorgeous manor house here in England. We're talking about our businesses and all the rest of it. And something came up where I decided to kind of almost do a bit of a training on the spot. And we ended up kind of refashioning it after the fact. And I called it the offer advancer. And what we can do to advance our offers to, you know, minimize the, uh, the, the, I guess the, the time it takes to be able to get people to take action on an offer being presented. What can we do? Do we need to add a little bonus? Do we need to spend a little extra time on that closing call or whatever it might be? These little tweaks that can make the big differences in minimizing that gap between maybe and yes or no and yes, right? And you talk about the uncertainty gaps in this mm -hmm. particular philosophy yep. this you know this idea go into that a little bit and and how that potentially relates because it kind of it struck me immediately yeah i mean look customers hate slowness we've established that mm. because it signals to them that you don't respect them but the one thing they hate just as much if not more is an information vacuum the uncertainty gap is the difference between what you know about your business and your operations and what the customer knows. And in many businesses, especially professional services, but in many businesses, that information gap, that uncertainty gap is profound and significant. And I'll tell you an example from my own life. Until a couple of years ago, I ran a global consulting firm working with many, many, many very large brands doing marketing and customer experience strategy. So Fortune 500 companies would pay us an enormous amount of money to create for them a strategic plan. We'd get our money, and then my team and I would build out a strategy. And that would take 75 to 90 days, typically. 
And then we would produce the strategy and the work was great and the clients were happy and everybody wins and it was a very successful business. However, I realize now, Chris, looking backwards and doing this work on uncertainty gaps and perception of speed and time and responsiveness, et cetera, that all of our clients were losing their mind the entire time that we were doing the work. Because what would happen is that they would give us the money and we would go into our sort of workshop and create the strategy and we had very detailed project plans internally. Like we knew exactly every single day what the deliverables were, what the process was, what had to happen. We got to do this first and then that, right? We had a whole sequence, right? We did this right. for a living. Right. All of that was opaque to the clients. It was all internal data, not external. So and what I realize now is that these clients were like, did these guys steal our money and move to Barbados? <laughs> Like, do they, I was, like, was going to say, did they run away with our cash? What happened? Yeah, is there is there a strategy? Like, because I, I would get these cryptic emails, like, "Hey, do you guys need anything?" Which right. I now realize was sort of like code for what the hell is going on, right? Yeah. And so I realized that we were really, really bad. Like, we knew exactly what we were doing. They didn't know anything, right? So the uncertainty gap was a chasm. And if I had to do it over again, I would close that down and and give clients at minimum a weekly update of exactly what happened this week and what's going to happen right. uh, the, in the subsequent week. Because when when they don't know what's up, and it doesn't matter if you're buying a big strategy or a car or a loaf of bread, when you don't know what's happening, you get a lot of anxiety. Your anxiety level goes up. And one thing I've learned in my long career, you know this too, Chris, when customer anxiety goes up, their propensity to spend goes down. Oh, yes. So you've got to take that away. And 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 this is not only psychologically important and really changes their perception of your responsiveness, but it's also on trend because in the world, a lot of uncertainty gaps that used to exist that we used to tolerate no longer exist and we no longer tolerate, right? So the example I use on stage is that it wasn't that long ago in the big scheme of things that if you needed transportation, you would have to telephone a taxi. Now in London and other major cities, you can just you know put up, put up a hand and they'll stop. But in most parts of the world, there's not that density, right? So you've got to actually telephone for a car. And so you would use a pay phone, you would put in a quarter and, and call, right? And then they'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll send a car, but you don't know when or which one or how long it's going to take or what it's going to cost. You have no information. Yeah. You just know that they promised a car. Now, of course, in an Uber Lyft environment, you know everything, right? You know every conceivable bit of it. You've got an animated icon of a car that you can watch drive Making to its way to you, quite literally. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. no uncertainty gap with regards to transportation, right? Um, and so we, we are now in this era where technology is starting to close these gaps, but a lot of businesses still run with these uncertainty gaps. So take a minute and think about all of your operations and say, all right, how can we make sure that our customers know as much as we do about what's going on? Great message. Great chat. As always, uh, you guys tuning in, The Time to Win is the name of the book up on Amazon, all that good stuff. You can also go to thetimetowin.com. Uh, and uh, you got, I've got bonuses up there as well, Jay, on the website. Or... Yeah, we've got, uh, if you go to the time to win to come get the special, um, the three pack is uh, the best offer. It's three of the little books in a special limited edition uh, custom printed slipcase. So what I say, you get the three books, one for yourself, 
one for a friend or a colleague, and then one to give to a business that disappoints you because they're too slow. <laughs> yes. Kind of like a little bit of, uh, well, it's or is that sort of a passive aggressive feedback. Uh, Precisely. That, that's Precisely. been gifted to you by Jay. Um, <laughs> dude, as, as always, man, it's great to catch up. It's great to talk. You're always one of my favorite people to hang out with. And uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure. Let's do it again. All right. You guys tuning in. We'll be back again another episode very, very soon. Till then, take good care. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Youpreneur Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you haven't already checked out our expertise monetization bundle, then you need to. In the bundle, we've included all the best swipe and deploy blueprints that we use ourselves in growing our businesses so that you can move your business further faster and avoid wasting time on the activities that quite frankly don't help you grow. Everything from growing your email list to developing products to sell and how to market them to your perfect customers is included and a host of other stuff as well. Just visit youpreneur.com forward slash bundle for more info and to get the jump start on your growth today.